0: Hey, neighbors, welcome back to The Flower House. I'm your host, Tamara.
1: And I'm your other host, Christina.
0: And today we are here with two very, very special guests. One of my best friends in the whole world. Um, We met so, so long ago, like four, five, how long ago? We met a long time ago, okay? And at Georgia Tech. Uh, So Georgia Tech doesn't just give you trauma, it gives you best friends too. Uh (laughs) And we are here with her husband as well, who I've adopted now. Like She's like my sister, so he's like my brother. Yes, y'all are adopted. You in the fam, okay? And they've been married for two years. They have a beautiful baby girl. And they are here to tell us all about what makes them special. And let me tell you, it is a lot. So with that, Caitlin and Chris, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yes, you take it away, hubby. You go first.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I'm Christopher Chris Bridges. It's with a K and two Fs. It sounds funny, but that's what it is. And I have the distinct privilege of being married to my beautiful, awesome wife, Katie Lady, Kate the Great, Kate the Stallion. Thank you. We are native Nebraskans. (laughs) That's that's a whole mouthful. Uh, that there are black people in Nebraska.
0: They black, but yeah, y'all. we're
2: we're living this California life yeah, now. They
1: black, y'all. We have
2: moved a lot, been pretty nomadic in our uh, our journey together. But we can get into some more of those details. Anything from you, love of my life?
3: Oh wow, it's hard to follow that up. I think you did a a wonderful job introducing us. Yeah, we've done a lot of moving, and we've done a lot of growing together, and we're just in this, you know, we're in this journey together. We're really best friends, and we've met in a unique way, and we just, you know, out here trying to grind for our daughter
0: (laughs) and ourselves. I love that. So tell the world, how long have y'all been together?
3: So uh, we've known each other since 2014, and we were best friends for two years. Years. And then we dated, what, from 2016 to 2020, and then we got married, like two months after he got proposed.
2: Yeah, because I was about that action, so I Immediately. proposed, supported. at that time we still were in Houston and relocated to Sacramento, where we are now, and about three, four weeks after living here, we said, fuck it. It's a panoramic. Let's <laughs> <must> get married.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: They didn't tell nobody. Okay, we got pictures from the courthouse, and was not something We were like, "Oh, so you got married? That's cool." It's like surprise. <laughs> <said> an invite.
3: <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I didn't tell nobody. I'm really trash at doing stuff like that. But it was I like, uh, you know, when you get married, it's really just for the two of y'all. So we wasn't really like we was in it and for the moment we did it. But uh, you know, maybe we might have a, like a celebration. Yeah, know, and somewhere. she
2: knew she was going. She was going to get married. She touched the ring way before she got to wear it. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> listen, she was like, "I'm out here, a wifey. All right, wife me <laughs> up." so i just i want (laughs) to point out one thing about (laughs) hurry up stop playing one thing about your story (laughs) i want to point out though is y'all were best friends for two years
2: exclusively yeah and not even on some i'm not gonna call it like weirdo best friend like little more than best friends like just friends literally like kicking
3: it watching the walking dead hours on end eating sleeping, on the, floor. sleeping oh. on the floor he never slept in my room he would all sleep on the couch on the floor we would just be chilling studying yeah we was really on some friendship
1: oh that's awesome that you guys were like friends first yeah,
2: yeah. We so you really got together. to know each other like
1: yeah
3: we got to really know each other so fellas that's why we still like each other now
0: the friend zone is not the end zone, you know? Like, you might not die in the friend zone. Give yourself some time. The
2: friend right? zone is the begin zone.
1: Oh, the begin zone. Oh, and love exactly. both of you. Oh, <laughs> what? <It's> true.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Cause, I mean, I just love y'all together. Y'all are one of my favorite couples, so we're going to have fun with this episode. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, so thanks for having us.
0: Well, thanks for joining uh we're going to leave a little section at the end so y'all can plug yourselves. So I'm going to start off with the first question. And this is for Miss Bridges. First of all, I love Bridges, so I'm really glad that your last name is Bridges, but anyways. Miss <laughs> Bridges, okay, <laughs> for Miss Bridges, who has a master's degree and is currently getting Her what? PhD. Yes. Her what? PhD. A black woman. Yes. Is out here getting her PhD. (laughs) What made you want to get your PhD?
3: That's a good question. You know, for I feel like when I started college, I didn't even know what research was. And that's what like a PhD is rooted in is research. So being like a first generation student, I didn't know that PhD was like an end goal for me. And then getting into the space and learning about like my strengths and weaknesses, I really liked research. So I'm like, I'm about to do this. But then when I got into my master's program, I honestly didn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, actually, academia sucks ass. You guys hate people. And I just, you don't care about work-life balance. I'm out. And you pay people crumbs. So I'm like, I'm out. And then I went into industry and I'm like, oh
1: is get over here too. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'm like, let me just, you (laughs) know, I see, I see the pros and cons of each. And I think that my skill set is really suited for like higher ed and academia. And I love research. And if I'm going to do it, I might as well just get my PhD to get a little check off the box so I can sit at the seat of the table of other professors and let other people who look like me and come from my background have a space in like agriculture because agriculture don't have no black people really which it's um Mm -hmm. it's pretty sad so it's like only time people can really imagine themselves you know in a space like this is they see other people who look like them and so I just have to endure what I'm in right now to let other people not endure the same thing so A Ph.D. is just like a stepping stone is just what you have a credential that you kind of have to have in order to be a professor. So, yeah, it's rooted in a lot. But
0: so as a fellow black woman, um, I don't know, I had to say to that voice, but as a fellow black woman and you have an engineering background, I have an engineering background. And, Mm -hmm. you know, during undergrad. It is nearly impossible Impossible to have a black woman professor. Mm-hmm. It is, and that was—I had one, and she was terrible at her job. But oh, uh, <laughs> you could left that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't even in engineering, right? And so okay. all I wanted was to have a class where I had a black woman engineering professor. And I just couldn't have that. I just wanted to be represented the same way that my classmates were represented because all of Mm -hmm. them were represented, everyone. So I just wanted to see that and it wasn't there. Even black men as professors was hard to come by. Mm
3: -hmm. So
0: the fact that you're going into it to give women and girls that image so that they can do it too, hats off. We're
1: so proud. I I really like what you said about being a representative, and I'm not black, but I'm Hispanic. <laughs> I, like, I couldn't see that at all,
2: Christina. <laughs> <pretty enough. laughs>
1: if it wasn't obvious enough. You double check. <laughs> but it, I I noticed more and more how much representation matters. I noticed how much more it matters after I had my son because he'll notice things or see people and he'll point out like, they look like me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really think that much about it until I had him. And he'll point to like another boy with, in a storybook with curly hair and brown eyes. And he'll be like, you know, tan skin and he'll be like, Oh, that, that looks like me. Or, I mean, just recently, I um, got him some books about, like, speech disorder and stuff, and he'll he'll say, because he has a speech disorder, and he'll say, that's just like me, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of hit me, like, wow, it really matters, I really noticed that, so I think that's so awesome that you're able to do this, and you'll have other, you know, young children look up to you and be like, wow, I can do that too,
0: and your daughter,
1: and your daughter, my mom
0: is bad ass.
1: Like, that is my mom up there. My mom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Christina.
1: So what are your career goals?
3: Oh, my goal is to be like a chancellor of a university. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. To go
3: all the way to the top. You know, like. I, I see what you would
1: say, say Mara, friends.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to like really make a difference. I just don't want to like be a part of the community and not make. A difference and I feel like the higher you go up the hopefully the more difference that you can make and so all these universities are talking about DEI DEI well we're gonna really see what they're about okay so that's my goal honestly it's gonna take a long time but when I looked at that chance of salary at UC Davis, he makes 500000 so I'm cool on that. <laughs> I'll
1: take my time to get there. Wow, Tamara, you were right. They are interesting. She told me this before. Like, wow, they, they, they're interesting. I love that goal.
3: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I feel like Chris, uh, for a long time, he was like, what are you trying to do with this degree? I don't really know what you're going back for but girl you about to spend four more years what's going on I'm like oh you know I'm trying to be just the greatest of that to whoever done it okay so yeah we trying out here <laughs> that's awesome
0: I love that and we actually know the chancellor of UC Davis don't we?
3: Yeah, I didn't want to say his name because I just said his salary, but I guess everybody could look it up.
0: <laughs> exactly, which was really cool. We um we had the chance to meet him at the program that we met at back in 2017. 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so super nice guy. Uh, plays a big role in representation and saying, wow, yeah. I could do that too. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal. So I'm glad that that is your goal. And I like to think that because he is there that helps you be able to have that goal and say i could do that if a black man could do it a black woman could do it i'ma be there so what are some of the challenges not just in your phd but in your whole schooling experience, which by the time you're done, you're gonna have a lot of experience, girl. You gonna have years, all years, all years. But what are you some told of the my ch-
3: husband? you like get a job already,
1: please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please get a job. She tried that. It wasn't fun. Okay.
3: You <laughs> he heard me. It wasn't fun. <laughs>
0: It was entertaining, though. It, it was entertaining for the, the outsiders. <laughs> we were like, what would they do it now?
3: It was <laughs> <This is> raggedy.
0: <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you face as a Black woman while getting educated, I guess you could say?
3: Um, I feel like people just assuming that you know what they know. Because I'm in the same space that you are in you just assume that I'm here because we have a similar upbringing. Like, for example, they grew up on farms with their grandmas and their grandpas helping them. And they were like, this is why I love plants. And me, I'm like, honestly, I'm from the hood. And I didn't know I could do this until I was like 24. So I don't come from a background of like doing this because it's in my blood. I'm coming from a background of, me finding out that I can do this because somebody was in the space that looked like me. So I'm still navigating as like literally like a first generation student figuring it out. And some people already have like some of those experiences or people to support them in that space. And so they believe that different resources or certain resources will support all similar backgrounds and that's not the truth that's not everybody's experience I don't have the same I don't need the same resources as a first generation American they have different experiences and different needs so I feel like that's the biggest struggle is trying to vocalize my needs and not have people like judge me for being a black woman in this space
0: it is a lot to like (laughs) because when you are the only black person in the room or the only woman in the room Mm -hmm. and you are representing everyone that identifies with you it is hard like people are like I've had people say well how do black people feel about this and I'm like bitch I don't know i can tell you what i feel about it (laughs) but you want the general opinion of all black people i suggest you go ask all black people
3: yeah
1: make a poll
0: (laughs) please exactly make a poll and see if we give enough
1: (laughs) give a fuck and answer it
0: (laughs) but you know like just to kind of remove yourself from like i don't want them to judge me and kind of putting yourself into the point of you can judge me if you want to, but mm-hmm. I'm going to get what I need. I think that, that took a big step and a lot of navigation for you to get there to say, mm-hmm. give me what, what I need right now rather than, hey, let me, let me stay quiet because I don't want them to think that I don't know what they know. Because mm-hmm. why would you know how to fix a tractor even though you grew up Come in Nebraska? On. <laughs> I mean, I feel like maybe like the corn ones. But you know the rest of them. <laughs> How would you know?
1: Hmm. something that struck me is you said it wasn't till you're like 24 till yeah. you realize that's what you want to do. That's amazing because I feel like something a lot of people grow up with is you know, by the time they graduate high school, it's like, oh, we have to know what we want to do for the rest of our life. And that pressure is on them. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, "Well, what do you want to do? What are you going to go to school for? And honestly, I feel like they're still kids. They don't know. They don't know what they want to do. That's a big decision to make. So it's reassuring to see someone else who's like going for higher education, who's like, I didn't know what I want to do. This isn't a lifelong goal that I had. Like, I didn't know until I was way over 18 <laughs> not way over but you know
3: <laughs> but later than what they think that you should have decided your lifelong career by yeah yeah
0: and you would be surprised how many people are successful past the deadline of society right like 18 I wasn't very smart at 18 like to pick was I. my whole career that's that's a lot the best I could do is you know get myself going in a direction and hope that that direction was a good direction right mm-hmm. and once that's a good direction you just kind of figure out where to go from there which is what you did right you went to Nebraska State University no Lincoln oh man <laughs> Lord, <have mercy>.
3: <laughs> university <laughs> of Nebraska
0: Lincoln exist.
3: there you go there you go yeah the first
1: one doesn't exist <laughs> you could try lincoln okay you went to lincoln
0: and you know even if you didn't know like okay this is what i'm gonna do um i I remember something with sugar and diabetes but it was (laughs) random yeah yeah Yeah.
3: (laughs) my research was definitely in like biomedical things because i wanted to help people but it was actually pretty trash Yeah, Um, yeah so it was just something i just wasn't interested in and then when I reached out, then we moved to Texas. Chris got a job, and by like divine intervention, I met my, my advisor for the master's program, and she was the first Black woman in the bio and ag engineering department, and she was the first woman to get pregnant in that department. And Texas A&M is literally rooted in bio and ag engineering. So ever since 1881, there ain't been no Black people in the whole department
0: whoa she wait, so wait, like, wait 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 pause say that say that date again
3: okay i don't know when texas a&m opened. let me see
0: okay because you said 1881 and i was just like whoa i feel like it's got to be 1800s it's probably probably 1800s there's gonna be like one texas fan listening to our podcast they'll be like <laughs> fake news <laughs>
3: 1876 sorry i was five years late
1: Oh, it's even so, worse. Yeah, it's yeah. worse. The stat is
3: worse. So like um, her just showing me she was in that space and she was like, honestly, you can do it too. You got some good background. You can transfer over here and like do some ag research. And then I realized like, oh, I can still help people in this way. I can still give people like clean produce and clean vegetables and clean food and still support. Uh, people in a different way than I thought that biomedical engineering could support people so
0: yeah oh. that's really interesting because I didn't even know that biomedical engineering could lead into that I didn't mm-hmm. either yeah it's like uh we're just living systems
3: and I just hopped over to plants which is just a whole nother living system pretty much
0: and it's pretty similar
1: that's pretty cool I would never guess those were related mm-hmm
0: Based on your masters, what would you say is the key part to having clean produce? Like the key ingredient. Is it the water? Is it the soil? Is it the sunlight location? I
3: feel like, are you talking about like when it's growing or when somebody?
0: Yeah, when it's growing.
3: I would say that you probably just go as organic as you can. You know, like use compost, use things that are already of the earth to make the soil happy it's all rooted in the soil so if you don't have a happy soil then you don't have happy plants the soil has the water the soil has the nutrients the soil has all the microbes you know that do other things to give the plants what they want to be happy so
2: don't till your land oh my God,
3: that's one thing he's learned
0: <laughs> providence canyon they say it was because they like tilled it too much and they didn't take care of the land mm-hmm. when they were farming on it. And so it just caused these like great big craters in the ground that look really cool now. <laughs> and people hike through them, but you can't farm there anymore. So it's it's a really cool thing to say, hey, yeah, you probably shouldn't till your land because it's it's bad for it.
3: Yeah, it literally disrupts like it kills all your microbes. It kills everything. So it's like. It just restarts it over and over again every time you till pretty much. so, wow. so And then wash your, wash your produce. Don't just be eating stuff now.
0: Who out here not washing your produce? Hey,
3: people out here not washing their produce.
0: There's people out here not washing their hands. And I feel like if you don't wash your hands, you don't wash your vegetables. So yeah. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> that would disturb me. Yeah. Okay. Wash your produce. We heard it from a PhD. Okay, wash your produce. Uh-
1: <laughs> so, what are some of the challenges you face as both a mother and going with your further education? I'm sure that's quite a juggle.
3: Oh yes, it's a, it's a, it's a skill. It is definitely a skill.
1: I'm over here thinking I don't know how she possibly does is doing it because <laughs> my son's three right now. And I remember when he was a newborn, and I honestly it was like a blur. I don't remember some things that happened,
3: <laughs> yeah, the first few months is definitely a blur for me too. I'm like honestly, and I did not uh i had I had Nia the first week of winter quarter, so I still had like nine more weeks to go, and I had a c section, so six of those <sighs> weeks I was recovering, so oh my, I feel like the some of the most challenging things is like you're just not a traditional student like people act like everyone is 18 years old or they don't have families or they don't have just other things going on but like in reality as you get older I feel like it life just gets more complicated so but the campus is not like representative of that they say like they have child family spaces First of all, I am not bringing my eighth month old here. Y'all don't have no toys. Y'all don't got no boom box I could play some music on. I don't got, y'all don't got no books. There's no color. Like what is, what is supposed to attract a family to come here to study? Or if you, um, one time the winter quarter that I had her, I also got told like, don't even come to class. Like, don't take it take it next year. And that would have caused me to be here for a year longer because it's only offered once a quarter. And so it's just people act like they're accommodating until they really need to accommodate you. And then they're like, actually, we, we can't do that. That's not that's not allowed here. I'm like, yeah, so an eighth month old is going to be farting. They're going to be coughing. They're going to be slapping the table, slapping me. Like, this is going to be destructive. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's no way I could bring my daughter here. So I feel like people talk it, but they don't really walk the walk. Um, It's very difficult to kind of navigate. People just... Typically in academia, women either have children really late or they just don't end up having children because it is too late. So, yeah, it's just kind of, I feel, it's like another intersection to feel like isolated in. It's like an added layer to being like a Black woman in a field of underrepresented minorities as it is. So, yeah, it's a (laughs) struggle.
0: Do you know any other women that got their PhD while they had a Small child or are getting their PhD while they have a small child.
3: Yeah, I've actually um my position on campus to pay for school is supporting other student parents on campus. Um, oh, so that. I'm a mentor to them and I provide like resources so they can succeed academically, and that also builds a community for uh me and my family. So I feel like I want to be the bridge to that gap too because. It should be more normalized that people can have children regardless, whenever. Uh, So I can't even imagine being an undergrad, though, and being a parent. Like, at least graduate school, you kind of have a little bit more flexibility of your time. But I can't imagine, like, doing undergrad and being, like, 20 years old and having a kid trying to figure out classes. It's just it would be a lot. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean, we're in two different parts of grad school. But I don't feel like grad school has any flexibility because they be like, you are supposed to be in class and I'll be like, I'm gonna be at work. So
3: <laughs> you, see me
0: you see me when you see me, okay? You have an attendance yeah. grade, I'm gonna get a zero. All right. But I'm gonna pass this class. <laughs> so do the work. Mm-hmm. Our final question-ish for you. And then we're going to get into the interesting life of Mr. Chris with the K. <laughs> How important is it to have a supportive partner?
3: Honestly, I wouldn't be where I'm at without Chris. I feel like the ma- and my master's poker, babe, I was down bad, huh? <laughs> Your girl was down bad. <laughs> I there. was going through the motions, like it was just a weird time in life where Texas A and M is ninety thousand students, seventy percent of those students are white. So, like, to be in a agriculture program where the only person who looks like you is your advisor and she's the first person there, like you just feel so isolated. You just don't feel like you belong. And Chris used to be like, girl you better get up and you need to go do what you need to do because I'm not about to have my wife who's a student forever. <laughs> You need to do what you need to do. Okay. We got dreams and we got goals and we got things that we want to see through. So you got to get up and get going. He would definitely like, um, make sure I took care of myself, but it honestly, during that time, it was, it, it was a blur. It was pretty hard, but I feel like this new experience going to my PhD and doing my doctoral program, I feel so completely, like, renewed, and even though it's still difficult, having his support makes such a difference with how I show up for these student parents, how I show up for other Black people on campus, how I show up for myself, you know, it just, um, and how I show up for my family. I, I have a bigger purpose than just being a student, so he always keeps my eyes open to, girl, you're larger than what they try to put you in, so it be great
0: oh it's so sweet you're doing great Chris I think Uh-oh. I think that's so it, it shows right it really does like I remember meeting you uh in 2017 we were we were roommates for a summer and you were like Millie rocking in the living room <laughs> 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 and I was. Just, you was like, "I'm about to eat, y'all I'm about to get this weight, like can't nobody stop me." <laughs> we're going through quick. the same. <laughs> we were trying to be <laughs> thick together, and and it really shows that, like, you know, Chris is really there supporting you, and like just like watching you grow, like over the years. I'm mm-hmm. like, look at her, like you out here. You getting a whole PhD. Okay. Really like growing like happy and just like, just loving on yourself and loving on your family. I love that. I want to say congratulations, but it's not like you getting married right now. So that would be weird.
1: I mean, I feel like saying congratulations after hearing all that, like that's amazing.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Wow. It's incredible. You're doing great.
1: I don't I feel like I'd say, like, congratulations for the whole overall, because it's like, congratulations on going for your PhD, congratulations on your daughter, congratulations on finding a supportive partner. It's like, there's so many things that just adds up. That's so awesome.
3: <laughs> Thanks, y'all. I appreciate that. It's nice to hear, like, um, I mean, Chris tells me stuff all the time, but you know, like, outside people from your relationship, it, it's good to hear, like, positivity being thrown out there, because when you're in the midst of it, it you, you thicken the, you know, you thicken it. So I, I appreciate seeing like there's a end of the tunnel and y'all see the struggle and y'all heard yeah. it. So appreciate it.
0: We out here watching you. We like, yeah, girl, you right next to the end of that tunnel. <laughs> you doing great. <laughs> you are doing great. So we are going to kind of do a little bit of limbo here but we're gonna go into Mr. Chris now. So, Mr. Bridges, the the one and only, there's probably like a bunch of Mr. Bridges actually, like you you have a parents, <laughs>
1: and a grandfather. You got parents, right? <laughs> yeah. There's mad bridges, man.
2: There's a few bridges.
1: I've, I've driven so you, over a couple of those.
0: God. You're the only Mr. Bridges married to Caitlin the Great. So I can confidently say my favorite Chris with a K. So we got. (laughs) (laughs) So to introduce yourself, what do you do for a living?
2: I am a construction project manager, but I work specifically for a construction management firm which to many people probably doesn't mean much, but there's lots of different kinds of contractors. There's general contractors, subcontractors, but what I do is think of me as a a budget liaison for owners, more or less. So I don't focus on the building aspect as much as if a bond is issued or something that's in public works is issued for a community to be enhanced typically an owner will find an outside agency to manage those funds and their projects so that's what I do
0: perfect so and because as you know I used to work in construction you know we was out there <laughs> together
1: basically the same thing right
0: that's a field engineer very different it's very different actually so what you're saying is you as far as the GC is concerned, so say your GC is Turner Construction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty big GC that most people know. If you're driving down the highway, you're going to see Turner Construction on something, and that's the person that's doing the actual work. So the construction manager is essentially the person that deals with construction turn, a uh, Turner Construction, on behalf of say Amazon. Is that right?
2: exactly you can almost think of me as a project auditor so it's not my responsibility to do the building but I have a fiduciary responsibility oh, to the owner yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Remember who you're talking to here.
0: <laughs> Not all of our audience has a PhD, okay?
2: I have, okay, I have a vested interest. Okay, I know owner. what that means. <laughs> for the owner to make sure that their money is being spent properly. So is the project on schedule? Is it within the budget? Uh, yeah, we'll focus on those two things. Is it on time? Is it on budget?
1: so what happens if it isn't?
2: If it's not, it's my responsibility to more or less talk with that contractor to understand what are the hurdles in place. Uh, There's a lot of contract language that if they are not following that, I can hold payment. I can institute liens. I can do anything within those documents that uh, protects the owner or whoever the client is from from harm, pretty much. Okay, so you've so got the power. Point. Yeah, yeah, got a lot of power. But it's kind of like a, a double edged sword. You never really want to have to use uh, any of that information that's within the contracts because what I do is usually with tax dollars, and that makes it all public record. So if it ever came to a point where i needed to move towards litigation or remove a contractor that's on their record and sometimes that comes with heavy penalties not um in the sense that they'll be fined but they may not be able to secure certain work for uh, a stipulated amount of time i work in education so if i have to fire a contractor and what i do now they can't get that same type of work for five years So you can imagine if you are a general contractor that all you do is education work.
3: And you mess up once, you're out of there. You're
2: done. Whoa. Potentially bankrupt you.
1: So with great power comes great responsibility.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Is that
0: what you got? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, wait, so if you, if you like ban them from this site, right? You're like, hey. You can't do work for five years. Can they do work in other states for within that five years?
2: So in California, if it's like prevailing wage work, no, they would not be able to. They'd have to either get that work out of state or they would have to potentially go into some different type of agency work. So maybe it's not education anymore, but it's industrial or it's building retrofits. But if that's not your specialty, you're still fucked.
1: He's
0: going
1: out of business. <laughs> More or less terms. <laughs> More or less terms. fun <laughs>
0: What made you choose the career path that you are on?
2: Um, I kind of stumbled into it. I really benefited from a high school experience at a it was a STEM high school. Um, we had an engineering wing for the whole high school. So as I was going through my program, got exposed to like CAD modeling and for a long time, thought I wanted to be an architect, but ultimately when I started undergrad, I went into civil engineering. So I did that for about a year and a half and I ended up having a seminar class that uh, similar to wifey. I didn't see people that looked like me and more for me, it was the the long-term. Um, it wasn't something I was going to enjoy. And the professor for that class didn't bring enthusiasm to to the curriculum. It, it didn't seem like he was happy to even talk about what he was presenting. Uh-oh. So I just made a calculated risk and, and decided that wasn't for me anymore. But I knew I didn't want to start from scratch either. So right. when I started to look at different degree options, construction management was pretty lateral to the civil engineering program. And it wouldn't have delayed my opportunities to graduate within four or four and a half years so I made that pivot and that same summer ended up getting an internship that kind of cemented my interest in the industry and stuck with it from there and I would be totally remiss to say like a motivator was the the fiscal gain as well like construction is a good occupation just in terms for being able to support yourself financially and knowing that one day I wanted to have a family and be able to provide for them i thought it just made sense
0: i mean that is a good point where i remember when i was had my first job so i stayed civil the whole way through but i went construction when i graduated and I remember one of my my manager, I didn't like him very much or at all. He could catch these hands if I see him in the street, honestly. Uh,
2: <laughs> to this day. To this
0: day <laughs> on site. I mean, I see people that look like him sometimes and I'm just like, what's good? Um but <laughs> I have mad animosity towards that man. But he did tell me, you know, one day, he was like, What made you go into civil uh, to construction instead of civil? And I was like, Well, you know, I really liked construction. And he was like yeah, and you can make more money than your counterparts, because construction does have a uh, a nice upside on the end of it, right? Whereas a lot of other fields under civil, you could tend to cap out lower and slower. So, you know, right? lower and slower. Lower and um, slower. <laughs> it's got to be a kid's <laughs> rhyme. But yeah, I, I do think that that plays a big part for a lot of people going into construction. But I also do consider construction to be a part of corporate America, because especially construction management, right, where oh, you yeah. have, you, you're you dealing with those people and you're in, I said those people, dealing with people? Anyways, you're dealing with people that are in suits. You're dealing with money. There's a lot
2: of politics.
0: There's a lot of politics. So, you could answer as a black man. You could answer as a regular man, a married man. However, you want to answer. A regular man. <laughs> <A> Regular <laughs> man. You don't have to be black, white, or anything. You could just be a man. Uh, <laughs> but what are some of the difficulties that you face in corporate America?
2: I definitely could say representation. Yeah, and... don't
3: look. Good construction yeah it's
2: it's (laughs) actually very bad especially when it's outside of the trades just to speak on like the environment that i work in they are making a very targeted effort to uh, embrace dei and kind of shift what that demographic looks like across our company but they are also taking steps that kind of address the elephant in the room and like publishing some of the, the demographic information within the organization. So I shared with my wife the other, maybe a week, two, mm-hmm. three weeks ago, Um, like every uh, nationality that was represented in the company, they published how many people are a part of that. And for black identifying people, across all the business units so not just construction management this would be our contracting agency people that work in uh there's a manufacturing business wing so all the different units there's only nine black people and it's a this is an employer of over 800 people
1: wow
0: that's one percent
2: yeah so it's like that's that not still representative of of any community, when you really think about it, that's wow.
0: Especially of
2: bones. like major market cities, nobody just has one percent black people. So then you take it a step further and you think about, okay, if the number's nine, how many of those are women? Oh, yeah. How many? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <For> oh. <laughs> all I know, there may not be one. And that's the the exact point that I'm making. So that's a a huge issue in just the workforce in general, um, women not being represented. But once you add in that layer of women of color, it becomes even smaller. So I definitely would say representation is the biggest thing. And then also just the idea of identity and how you present yourself in the workplace. I think I have probably erred on the side of going against the grain more times than not in my career so far where who I am outside of work for the most part is who I show up to be but that's impressive that's that's not what everyone does or can do and fortunately I work for an organization now that accepts me for who I am like if I show up and all my tattoos are out nobody's blinking
0: that's awesome
3: that that
2: just is what it is no one asked me about my hair nobody asked to touch my hair like Um, things like that but i've worked other places where it's the completely other end of the spectrum i've worked other places where they part of the culture was you would think it, it wouldn't go here part of the culture was telling jokes but people don't have self-awareness to know there's certain jokes that are just not okay. And when it goes a little too far, there's nothing within the organization to, I almost hate to say, like police those incidents, but to reprimand. And yeah. So things like that.
3: It pushes good people out, though. Like, you know, people who are qualified, they just look different Mm -hmm. than the majority and it kind of pushes people out
1: do you think that a lack of representation contributes to that like there's no one that can represent you that you can go to and be like hey this is a problem this should not be happening
2: it is a problem but unfortunately I have been in some situations where there's been someone my senior that is me that. I don't want to say they didn't defend me, but they didn't use their position to make that change right i I've had a job site that I worked on where it was just like blatantly someone was attacking me like their response to something I did was explicitly antagonizing me to the point that I had been ridden up wrongfully.
1: Oof.
2: Like just bold as day wrong. And that person didn't do anything, and not to their defense, nobody did anything. So,
0: that's a problem.
2: That's the other end of kind of the politics that we alluded to a little earlier. There's politics at the top, but there's politics at the bottom as well. And in a lot of ways construction can be a long game, and it'll weed you out if you don't know how to navigate those politics or play the game.
0: That is a very good point where I had similar situations, but it wasn't quite I'd say just as bad because my problem was more internal where, you know, coworkers would have I'd be like, "Oh, that wasn't appropriate. No, my hair's not fun." But, you know, just like different things like that. So, I I understand what you mean like politics in the workspace and like knowing when you can speak up and when you can't just if you're listening the answer is you can always speak up there will be another job and if there's not you can create one but you don't have to deal with someone
2: deal with that bullshit exactly
0: (laughs) exactly stand up for yourself if no one else does it because if not you're just gonna go home and you're gonna feel so icky you're gonna be like i should have stood up i should have did this i should have did that because why should somebody else have to deal with that and why should you have to deal with that it's at this point it's 2022 what are we doing we just all went through a pandemic together even with the people that didn't wash their hands so i feel like if we could all come together for that (laughs) we can all stop being racist at work and outside of work um so. that's just my two cents and if you're racist listening to this we don't need your listen you don't need to be here <laughs>
1: you can just go log out
0: Log out right now how about that so what would you say and I feel like nobody addresses this but you are not just a loving husband and a a career man you are a father and when it comes to children people put all of the weight on the mothers, and they're like, oh, well, she should do this and she should do that. But you actually play a big part in your daughter's life. From what I see. All right. I've seen a lot of pictures and videos. And you're there and you're experiencing her as a child. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that you faced as a working father?
2: The biggest challenge as a working father. Um, I would say probably finding a balance with your partner to determine when do you need to step up and vice versa, because it's really easy to get into a mindset of I've been gone or I've been at work all day, but work is not always in your occupation. So I challenge myself pretty actively to make sure that, if it's a day, especially when our daughter is not at school or, or daycare, to to honor my wife and give her an opportunity to breathe, give her an opportunity to to do something for herself or, or just be a parent. And I, I think more times than not, especially for men, there's this kind of nasty, in my opinion, stigma of like, oh, you're watching your kid. and That, that's such a, an odd concept to me, especially for someone that's in a union. So, and it applies even if you're co-parenting, but there's no such thing as I'm watching my child. Right. I'm parenting. So I, I think I would say the biggest challenge is, is just navigating. When is it my turn to parent and kind of carry that load?
0: And then, of course, there's times when you're like 50-50, right? I don't have kids or a husband, so that's a genuine question, all right?
1: (laughs) I just want to touch what you said right there about how people say, like, oh, you're watching your son, because I feel like my husband could do literally anything with our child, and he's considered a saint by, like... I'm not going to say who specifically. But <laughs> but when they see that, they're just like, wow, you're holding your daddy's hand and walking with him. And it's like, wait a minute, I do this all the time. Why does he get so much praise for just being a dad? Not that saying it's like, I think it's great. It's good that they're doing things like that. But I don't understand why people act like it's not expected.
2: I think a lot of that has to do with gender roles. Yeah. And I would say, especially within our marriage, we kind of don't adhere to a lot of gender okay. roles. Because your like, girl do
3: not be in the kitchen. I'll be on the couch waiting <laughs> for the food to be made. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But that's a really good example. Like everything that I feel has historically been kind of deemed or labeled like domestic is kind of flip-flopped for us. And you're really... It, I don't know, like, in a marriage, it's your job to figure out, like, who is going to take on those things. It's not necessarily a skill set, but I almost would liken it to that. Like, who is, maybe not better, but who's more equipped to do that? Or who would prefer to do certain things? So. That makes sense.
0: I think that's so important. And one thing I want to note is, like, while you do, like, you cook... And you help out with your child, like a responsible parent. You also still do some things that are like traditional gender norms. Like, um, I remember when we were visiting in December, you were like, well, let me go put gas in the car so you don't have to stop at the gas station. Or let me make sure that I take the trash out so you don't have to do that. So, you know, you're still making sure that, like, she's taken care of. And you're like this is my queen. This is the one that she's going to sit over here on this pedestal and be great because she supports you just as much as you support her. And so y'all have like this little yin and yang thing going on where you guys make sure that everything that y'all need is, is there. What are some of the qualities that you think are important for you to have to be able to support someone that is... Getting their PhD. And um, before you answer that question, there's one note that I do want to make. We mentioned DEI a couple times in this episode, and I saw Christina's confused face once or twice, so I'm sure the audience is confused. DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, okay. Yeah. So it's very important in all phases of life. But back to the question at hand what are some of the qualities that you think are important? to have when you're married to someone with that is pursuing their PhD.
2: I think what immediately comes to mind is patience. Caitlin can tell you how much I I joke with her about getting a job and and expediting and getting paid. (laughs) And as much as I, I really do mean those things, I understand that this is a process. And when she does get to the light at the end of that tunnel, it's going to be well worth that wait. And to kind of pivot away from the monetary element, I think also just understanding that her space that she's living in right now is a lot more variable than mine right now. I think I have a dynamic schedule. It changes, but for the most part, I know what I'm dealing with on any given day, any given week. Whereas her... Uh, especially as the what I would consider the primary caretaker of our daughter, it demands a different kind of like liquid lifestyle than me. And the type of work that she does, the type of school that she's, she's in, it can change at any moment. And there's a lot fewer elements of my life that do that. So patience for sure. And I don't know. I I don't want to call it time management, but almost like just because of where we are in life, just not not expecting a lot. And that's not from her, but not making super massive ambitious plans. Like when it comes to the weekend, that time is for family and if that means that's just me chilling with the baby so she can go catch up on something, that's what that is. So I think those are two essential qualities.
0: Patience and time management, I love it. And I feel like yeah. you can apply that to any part of life, whether you're married to a Ph.D. or not. I can tell you anybody that's going to marry me, he going to need a whole lot of patience.
1: A whole lot of patience. <laughs>
0: Can you ask questions, questions? I'll be asking bad questions. (laughs) So a a question to both of y'all, since I'm asking questions, is what advice, and I I know that you both love uh, youth and are involved in things that deal with the youth, what advice would you have for the youth, words of advice do you have for the youth?
2: Um, I don't know, but I think I'll probably start by saying the youth now, they're just a lot different than us, and I think some of that's a function of circumstance, but a lot of it has to do with interest right now as well. Like, they're growing up in a time where social media is so dominant in their lives that it kind of... I'm almost to, I kind of want to use the word like manipulates what their re- reality is. That's right. um, so, the advice I would give to somebody young is take your time in whatever you want to do because social media specifically only shows you good and it's kind of this landscape of immediate gratification. And I think that message kind of even applies to me to my life now like you're not gonna get to anything that's worth it overnight
0: that's so true it everything takes time the only time you have an overnight millionaire is when someone wins the lottery and they usually go broke
1: or someone dies mm-hmm. yeah
0: but uh <gasps> <don't worry. laughs> <laughs> we kind of hope that people don't die So you get money But it, it is a quick way to get money Just don't kill anybody So, Caitlin, Do you have any words of advice For the, the youthies The little babies out there that want to be great um, I guess like
3: Just because you don't see someone Doing what you're doing Doesn't mean you can't do it you can do anything you put your mind to, you know, and um I feel like we uh limit ourselves and we should think beyond our limits, you know. What Beyoncé says, what she say? Um You won't break my soul. Yes. I'm building my new foundation, okay? It's mine.
0: It's <laughs>
3: So yeah, you know, you can build your own reality and your future, so That's all I got to say for the youth. For the
0: youth, go listen to Beyonce's
1: album was what she said.
0: (laughs) Um. Pretty much.
1: I just
3: just want to add
1: in there real quick that I feel like I could watch both of you on a TED talk and be thoroughly like informed. (laughs) You both are very interesting. Like just sit there and be like, Okay. And then when you said like you can do anything to put your mind to, I'm over here like thank you. i'm not the youth but i feel it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i when i before we recorded this episode we're, we're gonna end it in a few minutes but before we recorded this episode when we were like queuing it up i was like christina we gotta get caitlin and chris i was like it's gonna be great and she was just like okay and i'm like we might i said it might be an hour and you know it's just gonna be a solid hour it's gonna be great and she's like nobody's that entertaining And now, at the end of the hour, she's like, oh, shit. They're entertaining.
1: They're interesting. Yeah, well, they are very interesting,
3: yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about my patience. I don't have patience for an hour. But, yeah, I'm sitting here. You know, I find this very interesting, and it's already been over an hour or (laughs) so.
0: Yeah, and... I just I just love y'all so much. I'm I'm so glad y'all are here. So I want to break this up into two parts. I'm gonna have Caitlin go first and then you go second, Chris. Is there anything that you want to people to support?
3: Hmm. Uh well we did start a podcast. It stopped once we had a baby, but we have recorded a few episodes to start uh, you know, putting it back out there. It's all about cannabis and like the intersectionality of like being black and you know just the historical context of how it plays in like black and brown people's lives like and all the new information about cannabis so it's called Nora Ganja you know we're gonna revamp the Instagram hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and we're gonna uh <laughs> and uh we're just gonna start putting on episodes it's a good thing for us to do something outside of like parenting and we just like talking about black ass shit and I'm already doing cannabis stuff so it's also just entertaining for him to like look up stuff and bring the facts Chris is pretty good and thorough you know with his like research and stuff so um I appreciate his input because he always brings the Brings the facts and the heat, so check out Nora Ganja. It'll be dropping. Uh,
1: drop in. go <laughs> this fall. <laughs> well, that it super interesting though. <laughs> we'll include
3: it
0: in the uh, yeah. So we have uh, like uh, we have
3: I like a show. few episodes up now, but then like pregnancy got hard and life got difficult, and so we just took a break. But yeah, we're definitely going to get back into yeah, our back. Five stars though. Hey. Still five. Stars. <laughs> True that. Yeah, but yeah, check us out. It's like Black Married Couple Talk About Cannabis Shit. And what so, is it called
1: again? It's called.
3: it's called Noir Ganja. N-O-I-R-E. Okay. G-A-N-J-A.
0: Noir Ganja. Okay. Yeah. You can Google it later, Christina. Oh you gonna have to translate that. I already know. <laughs> She's like, I don't I don't I'm not I'm not tracking. Oh uh. <laughs> <laughs> Doja has a lot of names, all right? Uh, <laughs> so, you kind of already included your socials, but would you like to include any other socials that people can follow you, keep up with you, and kind of see what you do, got going on in, in your life?
2: Damn, I don't even know my handle.
3: Uh, I think it's like Chris with a lighthouse. I don't Chris know. Chris with a lighthouse. Yeah,
2: follow I us on Nora Ganja <laughs> Yeah, Nora Ganja. Instagram. So- <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're not big social media like yeah. people, but we, we know that it has power. So that's yeah. yeah, you don't get to follow us on our personal account. You're just gonna see our daughter. So how about you just don't. you know go to the public on North Ganja?
0: Yeah, North Check them out okay. on Nora Ganja. Is there anything that you would like people to support, Chris?
2: Uh, this October, I want y'all to support the Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> this LeBron year. You know, he got to give one more ring. one more ring, all right? <laughs> I was
0: not expecting that. One. Ooh, See, yep. and this is why no, we get unfortunately,
2: along. Unfortunately, I don't have any major cause right now, but we're very appreciative of this opportunity. So,
1: Yeah, we appreciate y'all. If Thanks you're for listening to up.
2: this episode, make sure you continue to tap in tap tap
1: tap here. thank you for coming on yeah. this is like thoroughly fun you have to come back and talk to us more about what you're getting your PhD in because that oh, would be okay. a fun episode
0: yeah you're gonna I have doubt. to make some, some uh, prescriptions for Christina Uh <laughs> All right. I'll sit there. I'm the plug. I'll, I'll oh see you come God. in the mail,
3: girl. I'm the plug. It's going to take a few days because, you know, we real far apart, Christina. Bro. I got you. you
2: I have to wait until the winter, because that shit will be
1: <laughs> My husband's going to see the mail. was like, what's that package? And nothing.
0: <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> One oh, well, brownies later package or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes definitely definitely need to do that sometime though because that sounds super fun <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah i
0: would love to do that i love it i love it so we are gonna wrap up and we are gonna wrap up with a good news minute christina why don't you sell share 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 this one i did so good with words today and right there i just you did
1: so good till the end so the good till the share. end so, good news minute. It starts off kind of bad, but it ends it ends in a good note i mean it, so dogs get cancer at about the same rate as humans, and that's sad. um, just why are you laughing?
0: because you said, and that's sad
1: I mean it is sad it is dogs- I'm sorry dogs are like so much more pure than humans are i feel like so the idea of like them getting cancer is like extra sap yeah yeah and you know they their treatment is a lot like humans you know surgery chemo radiation but their cure rate is about 20 percent what's the human cure rate i i don't know oh okay (laughs) i really don't know (laughs) i'm focused on dogs right now (laughs) that's what's important (laughs) but there's new breakthrough technology and it's helping dogs with their cancer but not just that but it can possibly impact how cancer is treated in humans as well ah now you got me yeah, so the veterinary oncology team at the University of Florida began treating cancer patients, like dog dog cancer patients, with something called the Varian Edge, Okay, and it's, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, it's precise radiation technology okay. that's basically on par, possibly even better than equipment that's used in hospitals so it's going to be able to make yeah it's going to really help get to places like on the dog's bodies that they weren't able to before without possibly harming them so this is really awesome that dogs can now get treated better for something that they honestly do not deserve to have
0: (laughs) I think I, I do think it's awesome that dogs can be treated everybody loves dogs right for the most part but what really excites me is if they figured out how to do this in dogs, they're going to be able to bring that technology over to people. And if we could start solving cancer, I can go back to eating microwave popcorn every day. You know, like all the, all the things they're like that's going to cause cancer. Like, eh,
1: I feel like any, it. I feel like anytime we get a step closer. Even with if, if it's with dogs, it's one step closer to something better than it was before. Even if it's not focused on humans right now, it's just taking those little steps towards a greater big future without, without cancer. Thank you guys for joining us this week on The Flower House. And big thanks to our special guests who joined us. That was a lot of fun. It was. We will see you guys next week on The Flower House. Bye!